Hello and welcome to the One Hope Podcast, where faith and life connect. A podcast done by One Hope Church in Gig Harbor, Washington. Enjoy! Well, God really does have a sense of humor. Hey, One Hope and One Hope friends, Peter here, continuing our Bible reading podcast, Season 3, Season of Lent right now, going through the Gospel of Mark. And uh, it's I'm recording this on Monday for this Tuesday podcast that you're listening to right now, and it's toward the end of the day. And um, I don't know if you know this, but many pastors take Mondays off, and I usually take most of Monday off. It's kind of a day off, and try not to think too much about church things on that day. Uh, but as it's getting toward the afternoon, I'm realizing, oh, I have a podcast to do. I forgot I have a podcast to do. And so, well, let me just look up and see, well, what is the text? And so I look up the text and then I go, oh my goodness, good grief. It's the sin against the Holy Spirit, which I just preached about the day before on Sunday in a very hard text in the book of Hebrews that we're going through, one of the most difficult scriptures in in the book of Hebrews and the whole New Testament about those who fall away and who cannot return, and what does that mean? And we really dug deep into that and dug into a lot of other scriptures and theology around that on Sunday. So it's a tough message. And I did conclude that uh, the, the the I think that what was going on for that church that the book of Hebrews is written to was they committed the sin against the Holy Spirit, that those who were, it says that it can't come back to repentance, that that's what, it, what, that's what that was about. And anyway, it was a tough message, tough uh, scripture to teach on. And uh, that evening, Sunday evening, actually we had our Life Together group where we uh, we actually uh, watched the message again together with that group who had not uh, been to church that morning. And then we discussed it and had a good discussion but at the end of it just kind of my comment to the group was I'm just I'm just glad I'm done with that I preached that text I've never preached it before I never have to preach it again I'm done and uh, their comment was they just kind of teased me and said oh yeah you're gonna have to start doing the preaching circuit for Hebrews 6 uh, you know 4 to 6 or whatever it was and and uh, you know I gotta preach that message is kind of my thing now and of course we laughed about that, but then here is Monday, and guess what? I have to talk about the exact same thing that I talked about on Sunday, so good job, God. You are really funny. Well, let's look at this, shall we? If you did your reading for today, uh, it actually begins uh, in verse 20 of chapter 4 uh, with uh, um, the family of Jesus, those he grew up with, his brothers, presumably, and they want to seize him because there's all this amazing activity happening around Jesus. Crowds are flocking to him. Miracles are happening. And uh, it's it's kind of like this phenomenon now that is happening. And his family, who grew up with him, who just knew him as normal Jesus, because Jesus didn't really do any miracles until he launched his public ministry. And so they are kind of concluding he's crazy. He's out of his mind. And so... They're kind of doing their family duty. We've got to take uh, custody of him and because uh, he's, he's out of his mind. 
And then comes the text uh, that talks about uh, the sin against the Holy Spirit in, in the context of this discussion with the Pharisees. And I'll come back to that in a moment. But interestingly, if you just take that out, it continues on with uh, the uh, family situation in which Jesus's mother and brothers are, are again, kind of there uh, uh, trying to see him. And uh, Jesus says, who are my mother and brothers? It's those who do the will of my father. That's who's my mother and brother and sisters. And so, um, so th- interestingly, that it couched between those two um, kind of instances of uh, the family engagement with Jesus is this uh, is this encounter with the Pharisees and this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit passage. And so, let me describe what's happening there, and I'll try to describe what I shared on Sunday about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and then I'll make an an observation in closing about this whole text that I thought was kind of fascinating. But uh, after the family of Jesus, the brothers are trying to basically take custody of him because they think he's out of his mind. Uh, It's, I guess, in the context of there's the Pharisees are there too, and there's this confrontation with uh, Jesus, and and because there's all these miracles happening, and they're trying to f- understand this phenomenon that's happening, and so the Pharisees' conclusion is that you know this Jesus guy doing all these miracles. I mean, he didn't go through the proper channels. He didn't get permission from the religious authorities, who are, you know the God-given religious authorities, to do this thing. And so they're trying to figure it out, trying to understand what's happening here. And their conclusion is these miracles, you can't deny the miracles. He must be doing it through the power of Satan, through demonic power. And Jesus's kind of pushback against that, that's nonsense. If, uh, you know, how, why would Satan use his own power to drive out Satan? And because uh, that's clearly happening. Demons are being cast out of people. And and so Jesus makes the point that uh, uh, you you bind the strong man uh, and then you plunder his house and that's essentially what Jesus says I'm doing I have bound the strong man Satan is bound I'm plundering his house it's a it's a demonstration of the kingdom being present Jesus is the king and he's come and he's displaying that uh, that uh, um, power encounter uh, with the enemy is no match for Jesus the true king. And so there's that confrontation, and it'd be fine if it would just stop there, but then he throws in these really difficult verses at the end of that exchange where he says, Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying he has an unclean spirit. And as I said on Sunday, many have struggled with that passage, that there's there's actually this sin that cannot be forgiven. And many Christians have often uh, times kind of through uh, through the centuries questioned, could I be could I have committed that sin against the Holy Spirit? And as I shared on Sunday, um, if you're even asking that question, it's proof that you've not committed that sin against the Holy Spirit, because what that is is what that blasphemy what that blasphemy against the holy spirit that sin against the holy spirit is is it's resisting the holy spirit's activity uh, to bring the kingdom into your life and to birth repentance and faith into your life and and that's the only way that we can have forgiveness is through repentance and faith and so the holy spirit does that work and so if we resist the holy spirit if we if we call what if as the Pharisees were were resisting that Holy Spirit work that God was doing through Jesus and in uh, and the healing people and casting out demons, they called 
they called the work of that holy of the Holy Spirit demonic. They were rejecting what the Holy Spirit was doing uh, in their lives as well, and and so there's no forgiveness for them because they cannot allow the Holy Spirit to do what He wants to do in them, which is to birth repentance and faith. So that's essentially the only thing that cannot be forgiven is is that that shutting the door on the Holy Spirit's work because He's the one that births faith and repentance in us, and so uh, so that's basically what is going on there in the sin against the Holy Spirit. What I just want to kind of close with, though, is that though I kind of badmouth the Pharisees there, you know, the Pharisees, they, um, you know, are claiming that Jesus had a demon, you're demon-possessed, and and I kind of critiqued his family a little bit, too. They, they, they think he's crazy, he's out of his mind, but you know, in many ways, the fam- his family and, and the Pharisees understood something that many people, they, they don't get. Uh, because many people today, they just kind of think about Jesus, and they, uh, they believe, many today believe, well, Jesus, he was just a good moral teacher. He was just a really good teacher. And, uh, and yet, Jesus' family understood he can't be just a good teacher. He's, he's, he's the claims that he's making that he is the son of God and he's gathering these followers and he's having them, uh, you know, follow him wherever he, wherever he goes. Uh, they concluded he's, he has to be crazy to do this. Uh, the Pharisees concluded, uh, you know, that he can't just be a good teacher with the claims that he's making, that he's the son of God and, and he's doing all this activity, leading people, they, he's leading people astray, he must be a demon possessed. And uh, the great uh, C.S. Lewis uh, coined the great argument uh, that uh, uh, we've, uh, we've heard before, but I'll just share it again in this context, that, 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 the notion today that Jesus was just a good moral teacher is just, um, it's just nonsense. For he claimed to be God, and so he had to be either crazy, in other words, his family had to, were right, that he's actually out of his mind crazy, or he was an evil man, demon-possessed man, in which case the Pharisees, they, they were onto something there, or he truly was who he claimed to be, the Son of God. And it is those who embrace the truth, the only rational truth, that he is uh, the Son of God, um, just because as we really look into see how he lived his life, he does not, uh, you, you don't see someone who is acting insane, uh, nor uh, do we see that he truly is an evil person, demon-possessed, for he gave his life up. For all of us, and uh, an evil person would not do that. And and just the teachings of Jesus are so fantastic and amazing. Uh, could not come from uh, an evil, demon possessed person. All kinds of arguments we can go in about that. But but at the end of the text, he says, uh, "Who are my mother and brothers? It's the one who does the will of my Father." And what is the will of the Father? Well, we have it in First John chapter three says this, and this is his commandment, verse 23, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. In other words, the command of the Father is to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He's not crazy. He's not a good moral teacher. Uh, that he's not demon-possessed. That he is the Son of God, and that you embrace him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, may we get rid of the notion that you're just a, a tame uh, a tame Jesus, a good teacher that we can take your advice from. You are not. 
Uh, you are the Lord God of creation. You are the Son of God. And so uh, it, either we'll reject you uh, and resist the Holy Spirit's work to uh, produce that faith and repentance in us and deny that you are who you are, uh, or we will surrender to you and experience the full forgiveness of all our sins. And so may we each do that today. Submit and surrender to Jesus, the Son of God. Embrace him and receive the full forgiveness of our sins to rest in that, what we've already received in Jesus. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.